0: Craig Rochelle, the planting pastor of Life Church, once said, But just as your body needs sleep, your soul needs time to rest in God, to learn more about Him, to talk to Him, to worship and praise Him, to fellowship with your brothers and sisters. So today we gather in this space amidst the, the falling snow, and each of us is here for a different reason. We, we come with, with trials in our lives. We come with concerns and prayers. We come with needs. We've each come with a different reason, but regardless of your past, your trials, your concerns, your prayers, or your needs, our reason for being here today is to worship the God of all grace, of mercy, forgiveness, healing, reconciliation, and unending love. So my prayer for you this morning is that through the words, the songs, through the stillness, and all of the noise in our lives, that through your worship today, you would find rest in this place for your heart and for your soul. Mother Angelica, the Franciscan nun, once said, Our lack of forgiveness makes us hate, and our lack of compassion makes us hard-hearted. Pride in our hearts makes us resentful and keeps our memory in a constant whirlwind of passion and self-pity. Last week, we started this two-week series on forgiveness, and we talked about the heart of forgiveness, the core, which is love. And, and we, we looked at a story of um, Jesus, as he ate dinner with some Pharisees, and this woman came uh, to, the, to the house and came in and, and wept over Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair and then anointed his feet with, with perfume from an alabaster jar. And we focused on this idea of love and forgiveness and how they're related. If you remember last week we had uh, post-it notes in your, in your worship folder, and you brought them forward during communion to, to draft them off. I was, I was speaking with a, a parishioner um, or a uh, church attender last week who was telling me about,, well, how hard it was for her to let go of that thing that she' had written down. Literally, it stuck to her hand. Post-it note, it stuck to her hand. It really happened. But I think it's a wonderful illustration of what forgiveness is really like. Sometimes we try to let go, but it still sticks to us. It's, we still cling to it because forgiveness is really a hard, hard, hard thing. So today we're going to look at another teaching of Jesus in, in our part two on the series of forgiveness. And it's going to look at choosing. We're going to talk about choosing forgiveness, the act of forgiveness. Not the act of justice or, or fairness or equality, but the act that we take to choose forgiveness in our life. Forgiveness is hard. Forgetfulness is easier and it comes more naturally. But Jesus gives us some insights and some deep teaching, teachings about the act of forgiveness. And so today, we're going to explore forgiveness in action. We're going to look at choosing forgiveness. To forgive, Will you pray with me this morning as we prepare our hearts? Holy God, God of us all, we come before you this day seeking to know you and understand you more. God, we ask that you would invade this space, you would invade our hearts, you would open our minds and our very being to you. Let this be a time of experience of your grace that we would find rest in you and find renewed strength from you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and everyone said, Amen. Well, last week we spent the majority of our time talking about forgiveness as it relates to love in our lives. We looked at the New Testament story about the woman who came into the home where Jesus was eating reclined on the floor, and she came to Jesus' feet and got down on her hands and knees and wept over them. We talked about how forgiveness is deeply connected with our ability to love. Forgiveness, forgiving someone means loving someone, and loving someone means forgiving them. And as promised today, we're going to talk about this action of forgiveness. And I use the word action intentionally because forgiveness is an act that we live out in the world. Now, forgiveness doesn't come naturally to most of us. We live in a world where equality and fairness um, is is our desire. We we desire justice, not mercy. We may not be willing to admit it, but we often prefer the eye-for-an-eye theology. But this is not what we learned from Jesus' teaching last week. No, we learned that loving means forgiving, and forgiving means loving. I'll be honest, forgiveness Um, It's sometimes challenging for me. It's sometimes hard for me. It's it's true. Um, Some things are really easy for me to forgive. Um, Simple wrongdoings, things that don't really matter that much in the long run. But then there are the the big things, the big things in life, the significant hurts. I think the worst hurt for me, the one that I struggle with today to forgive most, is is when trust has been lost, a broken trust. I usually do pretty well um, showing grace and mercy nowadays with, with, with words or physical or emotional hurt. As a pastor, I've had to develop a thick skin. But broken trust, that tends to be the hardest thing for me in my life right now, to forgive. The hardest thing in my life that I ever had to forgive was a was loss of trust with a family member. Now, there was an incident. I'm not going to go into details. But, but the damage was mostly mental and emotional and emotional. Um, but the wound was was deeper than anything that I had ever experienced before in my life, or or since. When when the harm, when the harm comes from a close family member, forgiveness is exceptionally hard. Forgiveness was elusive when the trust was lost. The relationship became strained. For me, the relationship was only held together by by mere threads. At the moment reconciliation seemed impossible. Forgiveness was incomprehensible. Restoring love was unthinkable. The wound was just too severe. But forgiveness, forgiveness was still possible. It took, it took me years, years to truly forgive. It took over a year to restore any amount of love in the relationship. We were eventually reconciled even, but it took a lot of hard work. It took months in counseling. It took a faith community surrounding both of us. But most importantly, it required a choice to forgive. You see, forgetfulness is a choice, a way that we can respond to the things that happen in our life. But forgiveness is equally a choice, a way that we can respond to the hurts that we endure. We can choose to forget And we can choose to forgive. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How do you choose to forgive? Because forgiveness is hard. Bitterness and resentment, those are more normal. Those are more natural. It's easy for us to, to say, I'm just not going to talk to him or her anymore. I'm going to avoid them. I'm going to avoid the situation. It's hard to confront someone and to tell them, I forgive you and I love you. It's even harder to find peace sometimes in that forgiveness. Peace of mind and peace of heart are wrapped up in this concept of forgiveness. But if we remember from last week, and and if, if forgiving means loving and loving means forgiving, how do you choose to forgive someone you don't love? And do you even need to? How do you choose to forgive someone that you don't want to forgive? How do you choose to forgive someone who has emotionally or physically abused you, especially, especially if the scars are not scars at all but are merely scabs and they still affect your life? How do you choose to forgive someone who has abused someone you love, a sibling, a child, a parent, a relative, or a friend? How do you choose to forgive someone who shows no remorse who doesn't even want to be forgiven? How do you choose to forgive if you're still in pain? How do you choose to forgive someone you hate? What if they hate you? How do you choose to forgive the person you love but you can no longer look in the eye? How do you choose to forgive? Corey Ten Boom, honored for hiding Jews during the Holocaust and writing the famous book The Hiding Place, once said, Forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart and i love this quote i love this quote because it reminds me that the act of forgiveness is not an act of expressing the emotions that i keep inside you see corrie ten boom understood this fact she not only helped jews escape the holocaust but she, she went to prison for it she came to realize that real forgiveness in life doesn't rest on the emotional temperature of her heart. You can forgive someone you're mad at. You can forgive someone that hates you. You can forgive someone who has wronged you. Now, throughout, throughout God's story with humankind, that is our Bible, we are confronted with story after story of sin and redemption, of wrongdoing being met with mercy, grace, and forgiveness. The forgiveness and redeeming of humankind through the work of Christ on the cross is the heart, the heart of God's work. But this this story, his, his story, over and over again teaches us about forgiveness. It teaches us about the choice to forgive. It calls us to choose forgiveness, even if our hearts, the temperature of our hearts, is a little off. Choosing forgiveness is not an easy task. I know this, I understand it, as we all do. In fact, I would say, especially in my life, choosing to forgive someone is the hardest thing. One of the hardest things we do as people of faith. We know and understand that forgiveness stems from love, because loving means forgiving and forgiving means loving, but this is not an easy task for anyone, especially when the hurts continue and the wrongs continue. That reason forgiveness is not a one-time exchange. it's a recurring event. So I remember when I was serving on the leadership team of a church plant in Grand Ledge. This is before I was a pastor, and, and I served on this team, and we were having our meeting, and the pastor started telling us about a, um, his involvement with one of the, the worshiping members. And pastor had once again gone to the jail to aid this person who was arrested for drug possession and drug abuse. In the last few months, he had been been clean and sober, but over the course of the weekend, he had once again relapsed into his old behaviors, and Pastor went to the jail and, and bailed him out and connected him into a recovery program again. He was estranged from his family. His church family was all he had. The question that one of the leadership team members asked was, how much more are we going to invest in this individual? How many more times are we going to do this? See, this was not the first time that he had relapsed, to which Pastor said, at least seven times. And he shared with us these words found in Luke 17. If another sinner or another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. Forgiveness is hard. It's hard. What is even even harder for me to accept is the fact that if I forgive someone, it's very possible that they are going to turn around and harm me again. Just because I forgive them does not mean they're not going to hurt me again. But Jesus says it plainly. Even if a person wrongs you seven times a day, seven days a week, if they repent and ask for forgiveness, Jesus says we must forgive But how do we accomplish that? How is it possible to forgive in this situation? The answer is that we must choose to forgive. Remember what Corey Ten Boom said. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. You see, forgiveness is a choice. We must choose to forgive. And so what I want to do is I want to dive into this idea of forgiveness by looking at a story that Jesus taught from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 18. And as with many of Jesus' stories and teachings, this one is prefaced with a question. And the question comes from Peter, Simon Peter, the disciple that Jesus said he would build his church upon, Simon Peter, the rock, Petra, Petros, Simon Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? The question is simple. How often do we forgive? But within the question, we are already faced with the reality of forgiveness that we often overlook. Saying, I forgive you. Saying, I forgive you, doesn't mean that we have gotten over the emotions attached to the hurt. Peter is asking how many times he should forgive. How many times do I have to say it until I believe it? How many times do I have to say it until it's true? You realize that this means 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, just like today, forgiveness was hard. Forgiveness was hard. Jesus' response lets Peter know that forgiveness is not only a choice, but it's a process. Forgiveness is an action, and it's a process. So let's see what he says. No, no. Not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. It's 490 times. 490 times. Really, Jesus? That's quite a bit, don't you think? He goes on. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars, he couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. Recognize right away the consequence of not being able to pay your debts at this time. You can't declare bankruptcy and write off the amount of money that's owed. Your life is now forfeit. Not only that, your spouse's life, your children's life, all your possessions are now sold. so that the the lender could recoup some of their financial loss. Talk about the worst repossession in history. But the man, the man fell down. He fell down before his master and begged, please, I can hear it in the text, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. You should be thinking to yourself, this is amazing. It would have been as unthinkable to us today as it was back then to think of millions of dollars of debt forgiven. The slate wiped clean. Some scholars even translate this part of the Greek text to say millions of gold bars, which is far more valuable than millions of dollars. But the man pled with the king, please be patient with and the king was filled with pity, and he released him, forgave him, chose to let it go. Now, you would think that the man would be so immensely grateful. You would, you would think that he would have so much, um, such an amazing experience to have the debt erased that it would transform his life. You would think that he would approach life in a new way, being freed from the financial shackles of his master. But that's not what happens But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time, be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Then Jesus concludes his teaching with these words. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Let that sink in for a minute. The man who was forgiven so much failed to forgive someone else For so little. What is even more disappointing is that the man's choice to not forgive led him down a path of pain and suffering and torture. Don't miss that. You see, forgiveness is a choice, and it stems from the fact that we have been forgiven too. Don't be fooled to think that we're the victimized second servant, we're the man who owed millions of dollars. There's a debt that is owed that we cannot repay, and it's not a million bars of gold. It's the cost and consequence of the sin in our lives. It's the way we have disobeyed God through our actions. It's the way we have hurt God's people through our choices. It's the way we have defiled God's creation through our indiscretions. It's the way we have broken our relationship with God. But Jesus changed all that. Jesus came into our world and took upon the cross all of our sins, all of our debts, everything that keeps us from God. Because of Jesus' actions on the cross, we have been forgiven. The debt has been paid in full. The unpayable debt of our life, the unpayable debt of our life has been wiped clean, wiped away, forgiven forever. We have been forgiven. So now we're faced with a question. Knowing that we are forgiven, knowing that our debt has been paid, what do you do now? When you feel the burden and the weight of that debt removed, how do you respond to the world around you? You can choose not to respond at all. You can choose not to respond, or you can choose to imitate the love and grace that God has shown you by passing on the forgiveness to others. But it takes a choice. We must choose to forgive. You see, like the man in the story, um, so many times, I have chosen not to forgive. I have chosen not to forgive. You see, I will accept God's forgiveness in my life, but showing that forgiveness to someone else, well, that, that is not something I like to do because, because showing forgiveness and showing mercy to another person and extending grace, it's just not fair. It's not fair. But fairness is not the point here. Fairness is not the point. Life is not fair. We all know this. Life is not fair. And faith is not fair. And I will be completely honest with you. I am grateful that it's not. I am grateful that life is not fair. And let me explain to you why I am grateful. Because if life were fair, there would be no heaven for me. And unless you have lived a perfect life, and have honored God in everything you have done, there might not be a heaven for you either. Because in a fair world, there is no redemption. In a fair world, we can't be redeemed because once we have done something, we can never undo it. God chose to forgive us. God chose to redeem us through Christ. We can choose to forgive others or we can choose not to. Jesus' point is very sobering, though, if we choose the latter. If we choose not to forgive, Jesus says that the news gets back to the master and the master has no compassion for the person who has been forgiven for great things and fails to forgive others. Jesus' sobering words are clear. Then the king called the man he had forgiven and said, you evil certain servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Remember who Jesus is talking to. Who is Jesus speaking to? Peter. He's talking to Peter. He's not talking to a group of seekers or unbelievers. He is talking to his disciple, Peter, the one he's going to build his church upon. He's talking to his followers. Forgiveness is a choice, and the temperature of our heart does not dictate our ability to forgive because forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. But forgiveness is not easy. It means forgiving a debt that is owed to you. Erasing the debt is not easy. But please understand that there are eternal consequences for receiving forgiveness and not extending it to others. So how? How do we do this? How do we, having been forgiven by God, turn around and forgive other people, choose to forgive others in our lives? The answer is simple, and the answer is immensely complicated. The way that you forgive someone who has harmed you or someone you love is to choose to forgive them. Forgiveness does not happen naturally. It doesn't just happen You must choose to forgive the person. You must choose to let go of the debt that's owed you. You must choose to take the short end of the stick. You must choose not to get what's owed. You must choose to accept no restitution. And I'm going to give you three steps to take. Three actions that will help you in the process of forgiving. Remember, forgiveness is a choice, and it's also a process. The first thing you have to do, the first thing is to choose to forgive, to make a conscious decision to say, I'm going to forgive him or her. I'm going to forgive them, even if it takes me years to do so. Once you've made the decision to forgive someone, you're ready for step one, which is you have to say the words. Once you've chosen to forgive someone, you have to say the words, I forgive you. You have to physically say it out loud. You may not be able to say it to the person, but you can say it to the mirror. Say the words. Say them over and over and over again. Say them 490 times if you have to, and for your convenience, there are 490 checkboxes to help you keep track. Say the words, I forgive you, until you're ready to pray the words. We cannot change someone else's heart. It's hard enough to see God transform our own heart, but God can change anyone's heart, and this means that God can work in your heart and mind. Realize now that the heart that needs to change when you're trying to forgive someone is your own. The heart that you need to change is not the other person who harmed you. The heart that you need to change is your own heart. It's all about your heart. So pray the words, I forgive them. Open your heart to God. Tell God you forgive them. Ask God to help you forgive them. Invite God to work in your heart so that you can forgive them. Pray it over and over again, 490 times if you have to. Track it if it helps. But you pray the words until you begin to live the words. The most significant demonstration of forgiveness in your life is to live as though the debt has been paid. God does not look back through our debts of our past. They have been forgiven. God lives out each day with us as though our past sins no longer exist. We must live out our forgiveness as though the debts no longer hang in the balance. The effects of the wrongdoing may affect your life. I want you to hear that. The effects of the wrongdoing may affect your life still. But when you live out forgiveness, you live as though the debt is no longer there. It has been paid in full. You've moved on. None of this is easy. None of this is easy. Forgiveness is not easy. It is a choice, though. We choose whether we will forgive or not. And that forgiveness stems from the reality that we have been forgiven. We forgive because God first forgave, just as we love Because God first loved us. As I said, I believe that choosing to forgive someone is one of the hardest things we are called to do as people of faith. But it is possible, it is possible because forgiveness is a choice and that decision does not depend on our emotions. Forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. I want you to dream with me for just a moment. What would it look like if everyone in this room today, just in this room, could forgive? What would it be like to not carry that baggage anymore? What if your blood pressure never spiked when you saw their face? What if you could sit at the dinner table with your family again without the nightmare of your past? What would happen to your life if you chose to forgive. And what if we were all able to do it? How would our how would this church change? If we didn't hold anything against each other? Do you think we could make a bigger impact in this community? Do you think more people could come to experience the love and grace and mercy of Christ because we stopped holding things against each other? How would the world look different? Because I think it would. Look different. I think our world could look different. I think our country could look different. I think our state could look different. I think our community and our town could look different, could be transformed as we all choose to forgive. But the fact is that it it all begins with you and me, it begins with each of us and each of our hearts. If we can't forgive, why would we expect anyone else to? Forgiveness is a choice, and it begins with us. Will you pray with me? Holy God, it is so hard to forgive. It is hard to let go. Help us to let go of the debts and the sins that are outstanding in our life. Let us recognize the forgiveness that comes only from you and use that to fuel our forgiveness for others. Help us to choose to forgive so that we can see your world reconciled. Thank you for Christ who came to save us, to free us from our sins, and to restore us to you. It's in his name that we pray. And everyone said, amen.